Boy, we're talking about one rich man today, and uh, it is, uh, God has told us that it's uh, hard for a rich man to make it into the kingdom of heaven. And I think as you think about all that this man had, Solomon, you realize, you know, it'd be easy to get distracted, wouldn't it? But uh, thinking of richest men in the world, there's uh, Jeff Bezos. Here in uh, July, they told us that um, he was worth $210 billion. It just is incredible. I'm sure that's larger than some countries around the world. Uh, That is a lot of money. The amazing thing is he has made it um, himself through his his smarts. And uh, he and his wife uh, and two programmers, they worked in his garage. And I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember when All they did on Amazon was sell books. And uh, so that first year I saw where he sold a half a million dollars in books. Sean and I have done some selling online. We've never done that. (laughs) I need to get a bigger garage, I think. He he was amazing, and uh, he is amazing. He's recently retired, and... um, Recently divorced his wife, so if you think two hundred and ten billion, I don't know what it was before he gave a good portion to his wife, who had worked at the company the whole time too. The uh, I think the older and the richer you get, the more you uh, you want to do some wild things. He has uh, recently worked on a ten thousand year clock. Um, each day will have a different chime. So that's at 10,000 times 365. He'll have that many chimes on it. Now why he wants that, I don't know. But uh, when you're rich, that's what you can do. The uh, He's also done this um, spaceship company, Blue Origin, he recently went up, uh, just up into space and came back down. Took him, took his brother along. Uh, my brother's never done that for me. Uh, and they flew up into space, and I think there was a passenger too. But uh, pretty incredible for a private citizen to do something like that. I heard he gives a billion dollars to that company every year to keep it going. He had uh, another kind of interesting thing, because he loves space so much. He decided to find the F-1 engines that uh, were mounted on the rocket that went uh, when Apollo 11 went to the moon and back. And so that was in the Atlantic Ocean someplace. And somehow he figured out where, and they brought them back up to the surface and have put them in a museum. Um, again, that's what you can do when you got $200 billion. It, uh, I know that it's hard to get to heaven for a rich man, um, but wouldn't you like to just try it a little? 
you know, it's tempting. And uh, that probably right there tells you it's probably not good for you if it's tempting. So, here he is. He's talked to us a couple times now. And he is going to do what I'm calling the uh, pleasure test. And when I say him, I mean Solomon. He... uh, Let me just read this uh, first uh, two verses. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Talking to yourself something when you maybe need to find some more things to do. But he's talking to himself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? So Solomon decides he's going to test himself with pleasure. And this attests that uh, him, like most of us, uh, unlike most of us, he could do with all the money he had. And uh, so he embarks on this. He uh, oddly gives us an early account that... um, says that uh, some results from that test. He says, pleasure is vanity. What use is it? And of course the implied answer is, it's of no use at all. And this he tells us right off the bat. He says, laughter's mad. Um, Today we often think of mad as meaning, that guy's mad, he's he's angry, or that guy's mad, he's crazy. Uh, But that's not the meaning uh, the Bible's putting to that. Uh, He is morally perverse when they're saying something is mad. It's morally perverse, frivolous, cynical, sarcastic, or cruel. And he says that about laughter. We, um, We have seen that, I'm sure all of you have, when you, uh, um, watch comedies on uh, TV, uh, rentals, or at the theaters. Um, I am too old. I don't go to uh, comedy clubs. But uh, if you go to something like that, you would say a lot of it is kind of cruel humor, kind of mean, kind of uh, harsh in what it says, sarcastic. But on the other side... Laughter can be a great pleasure, Um, and many of us today say it's a good medicine. Uh, When you get down, when you are sick, uh, sometimes um, some good laughter is a big help. And I've always had people around me, I'm never that guy, but uh, I'm trying to think. My, uh, of us four boys, my older brother, oldest brother, Bruce, Uh, and a lot of times my youngest brother, Gary, um, they could just say that silly thing that would get us all laughing, and uh, nothing, nothing feels better than a good laugh. So, uh, but he says it's mad. Um, He also, we know he wrote Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 13 says, Even in laughter the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. It is, uh, as I mentioned, it's a good medicine, but sometimes it doesn't take away everything, does it? Uh, grief and uh, 
medical problems, um, they may continue on after the laughter dies off. Okay, so from here, he's announced the test. He gave us two early results. And then he's going to give me a couple points. Uh, Verse 3, I'm going to look at enjoyment. Verses uh, 4 to 8, employment, things he works for. And then uh, verses 9 through 11, we're going to look at um, the results of the entire test. And it's interesting, it's revealing. Verse 3, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. He, um, he brings up drinking. He wants to uh, see how drinking that wine might Im- Improve his life, uh, might improve his pleasure. And um, the wine is often uh, referred to as a pleasurable thing in the Bible, uh, something we look forward to someday when we uh, see Christ in heaven. He has is, he is said he's sworn off uh, wine until he sees us again in heaven, and then in our rejoicing and our party together. Um, he will drink wine with us. So we know wine can be a good thing. Um, But it's good he's being guided with his wisdom. Uh, Solomon wrote this also in Proverbs. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Well, he says he's bringing his wisdom. So we assume he's not led astray by it. Um, Next, he's uh, laying a hold of folly. Folly um, means foolishness. Uh, I don't know exactly what he means here other than maybe uh, they're playing some silly games. They're doing some silly things together to uh, blow off steam. We don't know. But uh, Psalms 14.1 the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, we know that Solomon knew there was a God, so uh, that's not where he's going with this. But uh, again, he's trying to find worldly pleasure in uh, what he's doing. These are interesting. Um, some scriptures out of uh, 1 Kings. Just a thought on Solomon's eating and drinking and the luxury of his palace complex, fine food, fine wine, uh, court jesters telling jokes and singers singing. This is every day for the richest king in the world. Every day, every meal if he wants it to be. Um, So as part of our study of Ecclesiastes, just I would recommend to you, um, it's great to read 1 Kings. Uh, He really gives you a biography of uh, Solomon. 
So 1 Kings 4, 22 and 23, Solomon's provision for one day, just for one day, was 30 coors, C-O-R-S, of fine flour. Now each coor is 90 gallons, so that's a lot of fine flour, and 60 coors of meal. Then he has 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture-fed cattle, a hundred sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. That is a lot of food. That is a lot of food. Um, 1 Kings 10.21 tells us about, um, uh, as I read this, think about plates, uh, bowls, silverware, um, cups, chalices uh, to drink his wine in. Um, okay, First Kings ten twenty one. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. That's how much gold there was. Everything that could be made was made out of gold, nothing out of silver. He, um, that uh, house of the forest of Lebanon was like a separate house near his palace where he kept armaments, all the gold shields he made, and, uh, and all the gold silverware and stuff. So it was a place to... Uh, Keep stuff under lock and key, but it was a gigantic. They called it Forest of Lebanon because they used so many huge trees from Lebanon. Uh, the cedars of Lebanon were world famous at the time, and um, they they harvested so many that uh, they put together. I think it was eighty thousand slaves that worked uh, harvesting those. And then 30,000 um, Jewish men were conscripted or drafted to uh, haul the, the, uh, all the cedar boards back to uh, Jerusalem from Lebanon. What a bunch of stuff. It's amazing. Um, he also then, in the, in the last part of uh, verse 3, he talks about um, life on earth is short. And that is uh, something we seem to see a lot in, uh, just in the Bible in general, but in Ecclesiastes. Life is short. Um, James 4, 4, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what is your life. For you are a mist that, appear, mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. His employment, we're into that section now, 4 to 8. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. 
I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds, flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasury of kings and provinces. I got sheep. Oh, kings and provinces. He did get sheep, but that was earlier. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of men. He has quite a list there of his um, great things that uh, he did, he made. Um, Pastor um, Trey, I think, talked a little a bit about the, uh, uh, this reflecting back on Genesis, and we see that right here in this list. He planted vineyards, gardens, parks, planted all kinds of fruit trees, made pools. This is all a reflection back to the Garden of Eden. Um, This is paradise by Solomon. And I think he thought in that he will truly have happiness if he built his own Garden of Eden. Um, Although that ultimately doesn't satisfy. He constructed the temple... Uh, took him seven years, seven years, and we know that uh, much of the building supplies had already been collected together by um, David, the, uh, his father, and that the plans had already been given to him by David. He got them from God the Father. Uh, so all these things were lined up, and it still took seven years Now, that's one good thing Solomon did. He did the temple first. And uh, God God, um, knew that that was right. But then his own palace, I'll call it a palace complex, 13 years to build, just incredible amount of lumber, gold. um, I remember reading that his throne alone had all these lions that led up the steps, and the the uh, it was made out of ivory, and for us that would have been okay ivory um, if it came from before they changed the laws. Uh, that'd be neat. But then he covered all the ivory in gold because ivory just wasn't good enough. Um, you know, you got too much money when you do that. Uh, but the, uh, the palace, too, was just awesome. He built entire cities. There's uh, talks about, again, in First Kings. Notice all the things mentioned. Um, the houses, the vineyards, the gardens, the parks, the trees, the pools. Everything ends in S, doesn't it? You know why that is? That's because there's a lot of them. Everything he built, he built a lot of Huge amounts of everything. Notice also he made it all for himself. And he continually says that. I did that. I did it for myself. Um, I counted 17 times. He said the word I in these 11 verses. But um, somebody else that I read said it was like 18 times. And that doesn't count all the me's, my's, mine's, myself. Um, 
Now you could say a little, this is his autobiography, and there should be a lot of eyes in there, I guess. But uh, I think it was a very selfish thing. He made it all for himself. Um, then we go to great possessions. He bought male and female slaves. Slaves were even born in his house. Herds, flocks, silver, gold, singers, both male and female. I guess from what I understood at the time, it was not common to have male and female singing together. Uh, you might think of chants or something where these men are all chanting. And, but to have them singing together was different for that time period. So um, something special. And concubines. John MacArthur uh, in his commentary says it was a harem. And they were there for um, the pleasure of men. And uh, he had a whole harem full for himself. The uh, great possessions as we went through that. Um, 1 Kings 10.14 Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. And no, that has nothing to do with the mark of the beast. It just is 666. Um, that would be about 25 tons of gold a year. Last I saw, um, an ounce of gold was in the $1,700, $1,800 range. So maybe an aspiring mathematician out there can figure out what that's worth. But it's a lot. That's a lot of gold. 25 tons. One year, 25 tons. First um, Kings 11, 1 to 4. Now Solomon loved many foreign women. He loved a lot of them. Along with the daughter of Pharaoh. That was his first wife, the daughter of Pharaoh. Uh, he loved Moabite women, Ammonite women, Edomite women, Sidonian women, Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses, you know how you do that. You put a little pee under the mattress, and if that bothers them and they can't go to sleep, you know you've got a princess. So uh, 700 princesses, 300 concubines, and his wife turned away, his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not holy, true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. This made me think, because I thought, well, I know David had multiple wives too. And uh, he did some of the things that he shouldn't have done uh, as king. Why is David upheld so high? Um, I think even today we uphold David because he was a repenter. He is a guy who repented of his sins. 
again and again. Because like us, he continued to sin, though he'd been saved. Um, I think if he had been alive when um, John wrote this uh, verse in the New Testament, David would have said, I like that. I like that a lot. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think David would have loved that verse. We should love that verse. Um, Repentance is important. We don't see Solomon turning away from these wives and repenting to the Lord, unfortunately. Um, Was he a saved man? I don't think you can write three books of the Bible and not be a saved man. But he was not a perfect man for sure. And as I say, neither am I. Um, let's look at the results of these tests he'd been doing. It's um, verses 9 to 11. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun." It, uh, it's interesting. It sounds like a, uh, he came up with a real positive uh, report there at the end. But then in that last verse, he has to admit, overall, over the long haul, uh, this was bad. He, uh, Solomon became great, surpassed all those before him. 1 Kings 10.23, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And that was really saying something. And just as Bezos being the richest in the world says something. Um, It was, number one, I'm sure, a blessing of God. Um, And then through his his wisdom, he was able to uh, develop so much riches. But again, the blessing of God. His wisdom remained with him. Sometimes I read some of this and I think, 700 wives, where did his wisdom go when he was doing that? Uh, 300 concubines. Um, I'm sure that God looks at me and says, Greg, your wisdom went out the window this week. What happened to you? And uh, it's true. Uh, We can have those kind of times. Um, but they should be short, and we should be David's. We should constantly be looking to repent um, and stay within God's good graces. Uh, Whatever his eyes desired, he got. I just can't think that was a good thing. I've read it. I've looked at it a lot of different ways. Um... I, I just can't see that's good. I, 
I grew up with this in the King James, so I want to read it in the King James. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Um, he was allowing his lusts, his desires um, to rule him. His pride to rule him. And uh, when we do that, for any of us, it's never a good thing. It's usually a sinful thing. His heart found pleasure in all his toil, and this was his reward um, for his toil. He, uh, he thought that um, he deserved all that. That's one of my pet peeves with... Uh, Commercials, if, uh, if you're like me and waste too much time watching TV, uh, you'll notice that many a commercial wins you deserve, ends with uh, something like, you deserve this. Um, do this because you deserve it. And, of course, we know the reality is we don't deserve. What we deserve is um, punishment in hell, but... Um, he thought he deserved these things for what he had done. But then he considered all his hands had done and all the toil he expended in doing it. I, I you know, I'm not sure it's a perfect example, but I liken it a little bit to uh, those of us who have retired. Um, while we were doing that work, we found satisfaction in it a lot of times, maybe all the time. And... Um, we thought, wow, this, this was good. This was good. God's rewarded my toil. But then we retire and uh, we realize, um, you know what? I thought they'd be calling me in a week or so saying, Greg, how did you do that? Um, no, they didn't. And uh, uh, you're just gone. And you thought, I was so important. How are they getting by? Well, um, and this bothered me when I, when I heard about this. Uh, back then they called it personnel rep. I had told a, a guy I knew there at work. Uh, the guy was complaining to him again. He was a complainer. And the guy took his cup of coffee. And he, he told, and, and I don't even remember the guy's name now. I just remember this. And the guy said, uh, see this cup of coffee? And he puts his finger in it, and then he pulls it out. Do you see anything? And the guy said, well, no. And he said, uh, when you leave this company, it'll go on as if you're never here. And uh, that kind of takes the wind out of your sail there a little. And uh, I feel that uh, there's some truth to that. And it, uh, it hurts a little. It stings a little. But um, the other side of that is um, considering, um, oh, the, the things you missed by all that work you did. Um, I think as you get older, you realize and you look back and you say, I wish I had spent a little more time doing this or that. Yeah, maybe I might not have got that promotion of which I got almost none. But I, 
but I was happy in what I was doing. I thought I was great. <laughs> but, you know, you know, should I have missed this concert? Should I have missed this sporting event? Um, was I putting uh, emphasis on the right things? And uh, so there's some of that we can look back on and say, I don't think I did that quite right. Behold, he says, it was all vanity, a striving after the wind. There was no profit to be gained from it under the sun. He, um, he recognized that overall a lot of what he'd done wasn't right. And uh, he uh, should have done that. Um, just a couple uh, things here as we end. Um, as we went through this, and I thought of uh, that song, I'm sure a lot of you might have heard it. It was written back in the late 80s. Uh, it was called If I Had a Million Dollars. It's kind of a cute little song. The guy says, well, I'd you know, buy a house for my girlfriend. I'd get her a fur coat, but not a real one. And he says several things, and they're kind of funny. But the whole idea is, if I had a million, think of what I could do. And I think we all can be that way at times. Of course, if this was written back in 88, um, nowadays it's probably if I had a billion dollars. Um, don't we always tend to think, gosh, um, being rich might help. Being rich might be good. Um, let's go back to that question. or No, let's, let's look at this question. Um, I will be happy when blank. And I'll just give you this as an example. Uh, when my uh, kids were young, um, and now my children are going through these same things, I thought, man, raising these kids is going to be easy when they don't wear diapers anymore. When they know to, how to use that toilet, it's like, whew, I will be happy. Uh, we all think those things during our lives. We think certain things. If I had this, if I did that. We'll think on that a minute, and then we'll look at a few other things. Uh, this is a sad section, wasn't it? Um, nothing he did brought satisfaction. Uh, all was vanity in the end. Pleasure was fleeting. Nothing to be gained under the sun, the S-U-N sun. And um, I felt bad for him. Um, but then uh, how would this have been different, I, I think, if Solomon had done these things under the S-O-N sun, Jesus Christ? We, he, of course, didn't have uh, knowledge of these uh, scriptures at that time. But I think uh, in his heart he should have known these things. Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily, has for the Lord, not for man. First uh, Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory 
of God. Boy, doesn't that make a difference when you're doing your job? And I can be that guy who I'm, I'm working away. I generally like physical labor. And I can, can uh, easily think in my mind and be complaining or complain to somebody else. And then I, I have to remind myself, everything I'm doing, I'm working for the Lord. Everything. And uh, I better pick it up a little. I better work a little harder. And then to think that it's all for the glory of God. Um, sometimes as I'm cleaning a house, which Sean and I do together, um, it uh, earns us a little uh, spending money for vacation, and uh, we like the people that we get to talk to. Most of them want to be there when we're cleaning just so they can talk to us. Uh, Larry's the only smart one. I think he goes out to eat whenever we uh, come over. So, uh, but we enjoy doing it. But um, I need to remember this is all for God's glory. Uh, I better not sweep it under the rug. I better actually sweep it up. You know, I better actually clean this room the way it should be. So I think those things might have made a big difference in his attitude towards many of these things he made and did. Philippians 2, 1 to 11, and I know it doesn't all fit, but it's just such a big section that's hard to say, I don't want to read this. It's such a good one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ and any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We know that that was playing into some of his projects and probably some of ours. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, uh, I can't imagine that the uh, creator of the world, I mean, I can't imagine it because it happened, but it's just flabbergasting that he came and became a carpenter, didn't he? Um, so many years of making things, and uh, yet I've never seen a collection of the things he made. Um, so he made things out of wood. Uh, he earned an honest living. Uh, but nobody suspected this is other than mom and dad and the shepherds. Uh, they didn't suspect that this guy was 
the creator of the world, the king who had come to save us. It was amazing. And, um, and the fact that he would die for us on the cross. So how would the lo- love of Christ Jesus have changed Solomon's pleasure test? I think Solomon's work and pleasure would have been others-minded, serving others, not just himself. I think his goal would have been moved to pleasing Christ, not himself. I think he would have found new purpose in his work, a satisfying joy in life. So let's go uh, while the worship team comes to the, back to the platform. Let's go back to the fill in the blank. I will be happy when. I'll open this up if anybody's brave enough to say what is going to make them happy. I'll let you decide. Yeah. Amen. Huh. Rick. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Flabbergasted. You happy now? All right. Do we have... Oh, Larry. When God helps all those people in Afghanistan, then we need to get out of there. That would be a a big amen, wouldn't it? That'd be a big amen. Okay. What, um, What so often, though, is when we say what would make us happy, like I said at the beginning... Hey, a million dollars, I'd be happy. But um, we all know that's not true. Uh, The pleasures of this world are fleeting. It's what we need is the pleasures of God. Trick question, really. Under the sun there, here on earth, without Jesus as our Savior, we will never have lasting pleasure. Life is vanity. If Solomon, with all his advantages, can't find pleasure or happiness then neither can we. True happiness and pleasure are only found at the Father's right hand when Jesus, where Jesus ascended to. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that... Uh, You show your saints in the Bible as real people, warts and all. And uh, we thank you uh, for Solomon, the good that he did, um, and that he was willing to share these things with us that we might learn from his mistakes and also from his victories. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.